Welcome to this episode of Let's Chat. I'm your host, Chris Revel, coming for the Cat Cave in Providence, Rhode Island. We've got a really fantastic episode today. We've got Sean P. Rogan, founding member, guitarist, keyboardist, a big D in the kids' table. Sean played in the band till 2009 and was in the band from day one. Uh, Sean is an awesome, awesome dude. And we got connected in a pretty unusual way, which we'll talk about for a second in the episode. Um, as well as being a podcast host, I'm also a podcast, a freelance podcast producer and consultant. And uh, one of the clients I work with was asked part of my, one of my uh, freelance gigs was basically just making a resource list of all of the studios in Rhode Island. So I'm doing my research and I come across UROC Studios and then find out that it was owned by Sean from Big D and the Kids Table. I'm like, get the fuck out of here. That's so surreal. Because, you know, I, I, I've been a Big D and the Kids Table fan probably since I was in high school, I think 2001, 2002. Um, but I've always associated that band with Boston. Turns out Sean's from here. And uh, we live near each other. And he, they have a, he now owns this amazing uh, music studio called U-Rock Studios. It's also a, a school which is really cool for like kids and Sean's an excellent teacher and um, it's really close to my house. And I mean, it, it was so weird. I must've driven by this building a million times. It's next to my old pharmacy on broad street and, but my old pharmacy. So it's like a, an old church basically. And um, so I reached out, got to meet Sean. We chatted on the phone. Sean could not be kinder and invited me out to the Rock studios. They were having like um, an open house. They're having an open house one night. So I went to that. Met, got to meet Sean in person. Uh, some of the students there, the kids, kids, teenagers that uh, were playing uh, their music. I still think about this one girl. I wish I knew her name. Did a Taylor Swift cover of Lover, and it still sticks with me. The The studio is just absolutely gorgeous. There's a podcast studio as well. And then the music school I got a tour of upstairs is amazing. Uh, we get to talk all about that in there. Met some really wonderful people. Actually, I remember hanging, getting to meet Sean's brother. There's another gentleman there named Ted Larson, who I got to talk to for a long time, who was just as cool as could be. Everyone there is wonderful. I'm definitely hoping to get my daughter Felicity involved in taking music classes. Music classes. She's just kind of hitting that age of kind of showing some interest towards music. So if you're in the Rhode Island area and you're a band, you need to rehearse or you want to record or have a karaoke party or just anything. U-Rock Studios is awesome. And on top of that, they have a podcast called U-Rock, which uh, Sean hosts, which is really cool too. Um, so this was just a lot of fun. This is a really fun episode. We're going to hear a lot about the Connecticut scene. I, I grew up seeing Big D a lot in Connecticut. And, um, you know, in this episode, you'll hear me kind of nerd out about being too afraid to ask David McGuane on from Big D. And Sean's like, oh, I'll connect you. Well, Sean follows up on his promise. And, and Sean, that episode with David will come out. Uh, it will be our next episode. As always, if you want to hear our episodes a whole week early, sometimes even more, subscribe to our Patreon, patreon.com slash media. We will have the episode with Dave from Big D and the Kids Table up on our Patreon feed on December 13th, and that episode will drop on the 20th uh, on our Libsyn feed. So if you want to hear it on the 13th, you, uh, could, you can go right ahead and subscribe to our Patreon. Uh, so this is the Scala Days month. So we're going to try to fill it in with another guest from the Scala world before the end of the month. We'll do our best. So unfortunately, we were supposed. This is if you follow us on our Facebook or our social media, you notice this is our Scala Days month where we're going to have three guests from the world of Scala. It's going to be Sean this week, and then it'll be David McQueen from Big D and the Kids Table. And we're going to have Matthew Stewart with Sonetta Duncan returning. Matthew plays in Streetlight Manifesto. Unfortunately, we're not able to release that episode due to some technical difficulties, which is a bummer. 
but uh, we'll get to work and try to make that up for you. Uh, so anyway, uh, just a little quick housekeeping. Uh, I have, I'm recording this on uh, Vern's birthday. Happy birthday, Vern. Vern's one of our last chat members. He's uh, ed the editor of this episode, and he's also, you know, he's been running our Patreon, and he's just a great guy. Produced by, the wonder as always, the wonderful Brie Benjamin. And make sure, I think I said, you can subscribe to our Patreon and join our Let's Chat Club. You know, keep the conversation going. Join our Facebook group, Let's Chat Podcast Community. It's been really fun to have everyone in there and getting to talk. You can find us on all social medias at Let's Chat Podcast. And quick plug, I was recently a guest on the Reels of Justice podcast that will come out in January. It was so much fun where it's kind of set like a courtroom where you have to defend or prosecute a movie. And I was defending the movie Twister to the jury. And I won't tell you how it ended, but I had some of the most fun I've had on a podcast. So I can't wait to record with those folks. And we've got a lot of stuff coming up for the new year. So anyway, let's get to it. with this company and what part of the job was like make a directory of all the studios in Rhode Island for something we're working on I was like all right start doing my research I end up coming across Rock Studios and we, we end up getting connected and then it just turns out that you happen to be in Big D in the kids table which ended up being which I don't I know I geeked out about you this a little bit at the, <laughs> the open house is like my myself and my group of friends is like what's well, that's like one of our our like Formative year bands like um, I mean like I we had I have shot by Llama like I come into your band uh, Big D around the good good luck era like to this day in my top ten albums of all time wow so it ended up Thank just you. being such a, a random thing I was like well this is cool because a you were in Big D and the studio's incredible just so you know I was in Big D. I haven't yeah. been like I mean I always feel like part of the band and we are all close friends and bros I'm I don't play or tour with them I'll. You know, go see them. Though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What? Well, so, yeah, that's. I'm, 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 I'm curious because you're in the early years of Big D. Yeah, I did uh, the first fifteen years. <laughs> yeah. Fuck, they've been around forever. Yeah. Fifteen years. Yeah. She's so. We're, um, are you like a, a foreman member? Like. Uh yeah yeah. Damn, damn. So what Old year is that? School. Uh, doing it since '96. We had on a T-shirt. Jesus Christ! So when I remember seeing you guys and like interact, like meeting you guys when I was like a teenager. It's like oh two one oh two. Do you have any? I mean, I don't expect any musician to remember any shows they played, so don't even think you have to. <laughs> I I've played thousands of shows, and yeah, um, I can. If you tell me about the show, yeah. I can remember it. So I remember the first time seeing you guys because I was not allowed to go to this, but I got in a big fight with my parents, and it was. And I remember. I think I like. <laughs> I couldn't. I don't know why. I had. No, I don't know what the whole. It, fight was about but I remember lying to my parents and telling doing the old like I'll have my mom call your mom and say I'm going here kind of oh, thing. There you go. And it was um it was Folly, um smacking Isaiah who's now a home scream and Big D at Wesland University in the pit where they filmed PCU. I don't know if that Yeah, I totally about. remember that. Okay, yeah. It yeah. was fucking awesome. And that's where I learned about Folly who would have become like to this you know, I we're really good friends of ours, and I have their tattoo. I have tattoos and stuff. Oh, and sweet! I love those guys. Um, yeah, Anthony did our music. My friend Amanda is married to Jeff, so now it's like we hang out with our kids. It's oh, that's such it's a so funny. But that was the, that was the first time I saw Big D, and I, I remember seeing Big D and like 
I still like my musical formation was still kind of happening, so I didn't really quite understand what ska was. And I honestly thought you guys were hip hop. Because Dave kind of rapped back then, he, and even still. Yeah, uh, we, we certainly had influences of ska, hip-hop, punk rock. Beastie Boys is one of our biggest influences oh, as a yeah. band. Did you see the Beastie Boys doc? Um, I haven't really seen too many docs. Oh, man, it's I have good. some kids, and yes. at some point I'll be catching up on some docs. <laughs> when I used to be on tour and yeah. sit in the van for an 18-hour drive, was not... <laughs> Was not uncommon, so there was a lot of driving. Yeah, you know, we would watch all sorts of stuff. Lord, oh, let's watch all of the Lord of the Rings again. Oh, it's God. like, you know, <laughs> great. We have time. Uh, let's watch all of Lost. You know, um, was well, it portable TV players? Right, because we're not even Netflix no. We yet. had a we had like um, over the years we would rig up old school TVs in the van. No, at, like in. In between the driver and the passenger, and we had a Tetris hooked up on an <laughs> old school NES, and so we'd play Tetris and we'd be able to watch movies. Then we could eventually hook up phones and laptops to the computer, like to the screen. Then we were able to, you know, once in a while be on a tour bus and actually watch stuff on that. That must be but nuts. the all-time favorite Big D movie is uh, Fifth Element. That is. As a band, it, in every huh. country we've ever been in, it, we've seen it. It's like it's always on in all of the hotels. That's so, so funny. That's like our uh, our special movie. I love that. Like, so you're touring before internet is what it is. Yeah, before cell phones. Pre- yeah, yeah, before cell phones, uh, calling cards. Like, literally, are you printing MapQuest or are you like literally maps? Uh, I was before MapQuest. Now, fucking <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's isn't it weird? Like, I just had this experience. I was playing um, the new po- Pokemon Sword on my Switch the other night, last night, <laughs> and then I was like, and I was like, oh yeah, I remember playing Pokemon Red. I don't know what that looked like on Game Boy. So like, I went online and I did a side by side comparison of the graphics from the game I played as a kid to like what my what my daughter will play. And you're just like. Yo, tech- I just had that moment, like, yo, technology went fast. Yeah, like sure look, did. What, you you were touring before cell phones, but like, yeah, you- we'd have to drive. So for each each um, city you were in, if you did, especially in Europe, the plan was to just drive to the centrum or the the center of the city and ring the promoter. Then you'd have to call whoever the promoter was <laughs> and say, "We're in the center of Zurich. How do we get to you?" And like that was our plan, and we did that. All the time, Jesus Christ! Like, I, as you're a parent, like could, I am, I have three children, and like, could you imagine letting your kid go off and do that now? Uh, no, yeah, no like, way. do you like, mom and dad? <laughs> what were you thinking? Or were you a good kid? I was a great kid. <laughs> yeah, I well, mean, I did a lot man. of stupid shit. Am I allowed to swear? Oh, encourage! Fuck oh, yes. <laughs> okay, great. I did a lot of stupid shit. Still do from time to time. Um, try not to. But yeah, um, I was a good kid. Yeah, I mean, you were in a ska band too, so I mean, I guess it's. Was that what is the, what is what is like in a ska band have to do with me being? Good? There's some assholes in ska bands. For oh me. sure, but like <laughs> from the outside perspective, as a parent, and you're, if your band want, if you're like a like a, a good Christian, not uh, take that, but not good. If you're like a like a conservative Christian parent, and your kid wants to go in a goth metal band, it's 
Uh, oh, I but see. But like ska was always that genre of music where like all my Christian friends were able to pass it off as um, non secular, as like secular music or non whatever it is. And because you know, there's like you know, there's a whole wave of like Christian ska and stuff. And yeah. Even though the big DJs, like fire, five iron friends, yeah, or OC Supertones and stuff. Like I had a friend I used to work at Starbucks, who her parents wouldn't let her listen to non secular music. But she was able to sneak by uh, Taking Back Sunday because she lied to her parents and said it was about God. Oh, because Sunday's in the <laughs> Yep. Time. And then oh, anything ska because her parents associated anything ska being Christian. So she became like a – she got to go to tons of – we'd go to like Big D and all these. We'd oh, see tons cool. of ska concerts. So I, I'm thinking parents was like, oh, it's a ska. You know, if you don't know what ska is from the outside, unfor- there's a real negative connotation to it within our music. But if you're a parent, you're just like – and you see like the boss tones on TV, like – Look at those nice boys wearing suits and dancing. Of course, yeah. you can go on tour. <laughs> <laughs> That's so awesome. So, like, um, so yeah, damn, it's weird. I've I've seen you play so many times. <laughs> I've tried. I know, like, some of them, you know, even for me as a um, a fan, they kind of even meld together. Like uh, the the ones I remember. The ones I remember the most is like when you guys would play in like the Wallingford Knights of Columbus, which is no longer there in Wallingford, Connecticut. I remember it was one venue bill. It was like you guys, Folly, River City Rebels, and I think someone from like River City Rebels like took like a box of like donuts or something, like a jelly donut, and like I don't, there, there's some things I'm like I shouldn't say this on mic. There's some inappropriate stuff that happened at Jelly Donut. Uh, oh gosh, all legally and you know consent, but it was an interesting show. For us, <laughs> man, there's there's some bands that do stuff with uh, pastries. Yeah, like Goldfinger. Yeah, I don't. What understand. is that? I mean, I've seen uh, there's some bands in England. This band called Lightyear. Yeah, we we would love touring with them. But they would like totally get naked on stage. They would pee on the crowd. Like the crowd would love it. They, That's they would, so weird. In their hometown, while Big D was playing. Uh, I th- I talked about this. I interviewed uh, the singer. His name's Chaz. Um, his name is Chaz. And while Big D was playing, he and his buddy Neil came out on stage, and one started just like peeing on stage next to me, in between me and Dave and the singer. And we're we're like just like had been on tour with them multiple times, but we're like, oh, this is a new one. And then the other one started cupping it and throwing the pee on the crowd while next to my pedal board, like next to where I play guitar. Wow. And this is this was happening. And the front you would think the front row would be upset. Yeah. But people were like trying to get peed on. <laughs> I don't understand I'm, that. I'm, I have a vivid memory of this. Yeah. It, it, it's one of those, yeah, it's like Hearing about like Gigi Allen concerts, I'm like, why would anyone want to go to that? Some people are into that shit. Yeah, not me. <laughs> and um, we're not gonna judge anyone tonight. But uh, well, it was one, it was odd. one of the most amazing shows I've ever seen. So were you like, at least the pee's not on me? I was rocking out. I mean, yeah. I wasn't gonna be like grossed out. I had to just play the part. Yeah. Oh, you know, you know a show I just thought of. I remember uh, you guys <laughs> were playing the Webster. I don't remember who I was playing. Um, but was Dave, it empty or full? It's full. <laughs> okay, that's a good one. <laughs> no, I don't. Ah, God, my memory's not. It have been good. empty. It might have been, but Dave broke his tailbone. Oh. He, he fell off stage. That dude, his body. <laughs> that poor guy. 
Poor guy. Like he he's like, banged his body up for this band. He just missed. I don't know what he did. He, I don't remember. How he, I think he went to maybe put his foot. I don't know what he did. He went to put his foot on the amp. And West Webster, it's in Hartford, Connecticut. Who doesn't know? Really high stage. And he totally like went to step and missed. And then kaboom. And you know what you have to do on tour? You have to sit on your ass a lot. Poor yes. Guy. His his you know back, his butt, all sorts of bones, head. That poor coxis. Yeah, he throws his body around like a maniac. But it's all. It's all like purposeful and mindful. Like he knows exactly what he's doing. Sometimes, like he, you know, doesn't mean to break his tailbone, make yeah. people slip and have missteps. But he's fully aware of his body motions while he's playing. Like we, we would record ourselves, videotape ourselves every night. I have boxes of VHSC tapes and mini DV tapes of almost not every big D. Hundreds and hundreds of Big D shows. Oh, my God. And, like, someday I'll, I would like to go through it. But um, I have some, some like, cool cool stuff. But we would do it so that we could watch ourselves in the van the next day and critique it. Like, oh, Like Steve, an athlete. Yeah, like, like, a ba- like a band, like an athlete, whatever you want. Yeah. Like a, like a professional. Yeah, yeah. Because uh, we, wanted, we wanted to look cool on stage and yeah. like move the same way, look the same. And... Uh, try and give the audience a, a, a visual show as opposed to just hearing, because they can sit home and listen to the CDs or stream yeah. it, you know. Oh, God, your shows were fucking dope. Thanks, man. Oh, well, man. you saw the ones with, like, Smack and Isaiah and Folly. Like, yeah. when we play with those kinds of bands, we had to step it up and play our heavier stuff. Like, yeah. we're not going to play, like, the, the necessarily the lighter stuff. We know when you go to a Smack and Isaiah show... Um, <sighs> Nuno's gonna fuck you up. Yeah, you know. like just not that not did, he's just his no, vocals. No, that did rules. That he's did, like yeah. five feet tall, and then just yeah. We're always short. We we were short guys together. I liked hanging out with him. He was always ripped though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's ripped. Yeah, my buddy just made my friend Sean just made. It, oh, it hasn't come out yet. He in the process. There's a documentary about them coming out called Lifer about like working class musicians that they're the focus of. Oh neat. But it, 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 Sean's still making it. But um, neat. Yeah, that dude's. I yeah, a Wilhelm scream. So, so Smack and Isaiah to change the name to a Wilhelm scream. Yeah, we've played at least a hundred shows with those dudes. They were, and then like so because in Connecticut, which now I'm like I look back at my life and like not even realizing how unique our Connecticut music scene was because we had a really uh, big hardcore scene and a really big ska scene, and they definitely crossed over a lot. So like we like, do you remember the Flaming Tsunamis? Like you played oh, with yeah. them a ton. Yeah, like, yeah, Andy's been on here. Like those are friends as ours as well, and like. And then you guys were on that comp that Kill Normal Records put out too. That was the first time I heard Checklist. I don't know if what oh, yeah. if you're still in the. I don't know what era the Checklist was from the Gypsy Hill EP. Okay, yeah. John, John. <laughs> yeah, that was one of the songs that we would just start killing kids during that because it would be song like was fun to play. And a Big D show in Connecticut would always have a hardcore band, so it would be like yeah. people would skank and then people were moshing and crowd killing and yeah, Dave, man, you guys are just fucking are, nuts. Yeah, those are those are. Physical shows. I broke a kid's arm unintentionally uh, during one of the, your big one of your sets. Wow. Like I was uh, floor punching, and I came up, and he like flipped, <laughs> flipped over I me. I was floor punching, and like landed on his arm wrong. He was uh, uh. felt really bad, but it was, he was like, "That's okay, man. I got my arm broken at a big D show. Isn't that nuts?" <laughs> uh, God, I, I, I can't. Then ASOB, remember Arrogant Sons of Vicious? Uh, how can you forget? And then Jeff obviously continued yeah, Jeff, on. And great, I love kids, Jeff. He just and then he just did Sky Dream, which was incredible. Yeah, yeah. He does he's he's a creative dude. 
Yeah, Emmy, uh, Emmy nominated. Oh yeah, for um for a TV show he works on. I don't remember the name of it. I'm oh, sorry. Neat. I think Craig in the Creek. I want to say it's something I've watched, oh, but like yeah. a Cartoon Network show. Oh, good for him. I love like kind of like go back. You look at that day and see where everyone ends up. It's like it's yeah. it's fascinating. Like you know, it's yeah. We played a lot of shows with Jeff. That's yeah. You guys, he's a hustler. Him. He's he works hard. Oh yeah, and then Catch Twenty Two. Oh my god, three hundred shows maybe with them. Yeah. Holy cow! That was those were like there was like a five year span where we did we toured with them. I've seen them so many times. Spent a lot of time with those. Did guys. you do any tours when Thomas was in the band? No, it was after that. But we okay, toured both. with Streetlight a bunch too. Yeah. Oh yeah. I know. I don't know if you know Matt at all. I know Matt and Pete. They've both been on here. Oh cool. Uh, which is funny because they're not ska people. They're jazz musicians. Yeah, pretty much the band. I'm actually the only person that's been in street. I was in street life for a couple weeks. Are you kidding me? So no, because we did a warp tour and uh, cell phones had just come out. Oh boy, this is gonna hit. You have no idea how this is gonna hit. This is a cool story, um, and I still I'm in touch with Thomas. You know, a couple times a year we're regularly yeah. in touch. Um, Thomas had just gotten a cell phone that had video on it, and he was riding his BMX. BMX bike kind of backstage at a warp tour and there was like a path and a deer he saw a deer so he pulled out his phone and went to film it flipped over the handlebars broke his arm <gasps> and um, couldn't play he couldn't play guitar so we had toured with them so much so that was the day after we, I had got you can see I have a scar here but I had gotten impaled on the warp tour there was this crazy storm in uh, everything was getting hailed on and rained on, and uh, so we we're all putting gear in the trucks, and streetlights gear was out, so we we're all helping the streetlight. And this guy was running a streetlights drum case, hardware case, up the ramp, like or up up the uh, the runway sort of thing, at me, and I kind of like jumped out of the way. Yeah, and my arm landed on a <gasps> spike on the fence. <laughs> and I had to like pull my arm off and I was like called for the medic and I was like trying to be chill and like pressure and but I got impaled and it like just missed all of my arteries now I'm, I'm a guitar player this is my left wrist <laughs> you kind of need that right yeah so I had we had already played that day so I was good for that day but we had a show the next day and the next probably 40 days after that so a lot of a lot of playing and um they, they kind of bandaged, they glued it, and then they bandaged me up. And it was just like, holy crap, I could have, that could have been really life-changing. Yeah, so kind of like I was fine. I was like, fine. Wow. And then Thomas the next day broke his arm, and they asked me, like, can you play guitar for us? And you're, uh, so I had to learn a 30-minute streetlight set, which is, I don't know if you've ever listened to them, but their songs are fucking hard. Yeah. Those guitar parts are really fast and really a lot of chords, and the parts are really long. It's not like a two-measure loop. Yeah. Um, they're intricate arrangements, and uh, Jesus me Christ. and the band, we just worked through the night and the next day, and we rehearsed and made notes, and that first show was pretty shaky, but Thomas was in a sling, and... He, he had never performed without a guitar, so he was really nervous about that. That's got to be awkward if you're like, yeah, that's got to be but weird. But it was fucking awesome. That was he, awesome. He had like this front man energy that he had never released. Yeah. 
and it was really punk rock. I've got some. I have this picture that somebody sent me. Like I'm in the background playing his guitar, that red uh, Gibson that he has, and <laughs> and he takes black gaff tape and puts it over the Gibson logo <laughs> just so that they don't. He's not like advertising them. I love it. But uh, I'm playing his thing and we're fucking rocking out. And That's he's fucking dope. Oh, I gotta find this. Oh my god! You I know, probably have it on video. You say that thing about video. Do you ever? You know? Do you know Hate Six at all? Or not? Of Hate them? Six. It's like Hate Six Eight. It's this gentleman who like he's like a videographer for like a hard lot of hardcore shows. Yeah, it sounds familiar. But he also like is really into digital archiving. Oh, sweet. They're always looking for musician anyone to give their old tapes to digitize. I, oh, sweet. <laughs> I'm gonna say. I Please think it, contact me. Yeah, I'll I'll send you. I I don't know them personally, but I, I'll send you their site afterwards. Well, actually, yeah. Yeah. Actually, there's probably a lot of shit on there. I wouldn't want. Maybe you want to look through them first. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I, I don't know how that's it works. The, that, that's the thing. I. Like, we did a lot of stupid things. A lot, a lot of stupid things. But I, there's probably some golden, golden content concert-wise on there of like just like, oh, we had someone fill in, and now they're in like I don't know, like I don't know, trying to think. Now it's Taylor Swift, well, a young Katy Perry performed with you or something like that. Well, I remember we did the Reading and Leeds Festival over in England, um, and this was right when uh, Plain White Tees blew up with yeah. Hey There, Delilah. Yep. And they played right after us, so we moved our... And we had played with them on Warp Tour so many times, too, so, you know, we were, like, friendly with them. And they played, and it was such, like, a difference, like, oh, you guys are on, like, a different level with this song. And then the the singer dude just had the acoustic guitar and did that song by himself. And I was just, like, I had my camera. I just, like, walked up next to the drum riser and was just kind of, like, Filmed like th- thousands of people, yeah. all singing every word with every inflection, and it was like goosebumps all over your body. Like the, this dude wrote this song, and he ch- it's beautiful. You know, we were we were doing the same tours, and and then they're like rocket level difference. It's crazy. That's was is that. I mean, this happened a lot. I, I just did an interview on Wednesday with um, Nathan Gray, who was in Boys That's Fire. And no need. We, like, um, actually, seen him tonight. To- we, to- we toured with them. Boys That's Fire. Yeah. No. Yeah, must they must have done a warp tour with us. Yeah, I would not. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, yeah I guess so right. Many, so many bands. Yeah, because Big D was unique in that way. Like, you could we operate. weren't just like a ska band. So yeah, we always uh, punk. We would we would say punk ska. Yeah, you can kind of you can ska punk, you meld into everything. Yeah, well we we had some ska songs. We had a lot of reggae songs. Yeah. a lot of dub. Yeah, some thrash, some hardcore, some hip hop elements. Oh God, I would some love jazzy. That. Stuff, some funky stuff. Oh, Boy Sets Fire, Big D Show would be like <laughs> to die for. I thought we've played shows with them. I'm sure you have. I, I, you know, you look. Um, but we were talking about like how, like, you know, they're a band that, like, a lot of bands, like, he was saying, like, it got to a point with Boy Sets Fire where bands were becoming popular that didn't bite their sound, but they were biting the sound by the people who bit their sound mm-hmm. and how they make, make this conscious effort yes. to not get better and, and be a pre- and stuff like that. Did that happen with Big D a lot? Like, watching people, like, kind of, if anyone, like, kind of scoot ahead of you or whatever? Oh, we saw of... we saw people scoot ahead of us all the time. Yeah. Yeah. Streetlight. Yeah. Yeah. Like, boom. We were on the, their first tour. And no they way. Were, they were opening for us. Yeah. And it was like the there there were definitely some shows where like like holy shit, these like they're here to see Streetlight. Yeah. And it was like you know. But we would be in, in positions with bands and 
Like we we opened for Dishwalla. Do you remember that band? <laughs> yeah, I did. Tell Wait, me all yep. you. <laughs> so this was right after. I was going to ask. Is that they, were, they had come down from that? Wow. And they were doing like their next record, and they're like, just we're just touring some smaller clubs before we do the next big tour, and they had like so much gear for this small club. Yeah. And um, they're like, yeah, man, we lugged our gear through the snow for like three years. And we had already been a band for like 10. We're like, uh-huh. <laughs> like, fuck you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, you see you see people of all sorts. But then, you know, we want to take blow their fans away, you know. Yeah. It's- and not that it's a competition, but when we certainly wanted to be the best band and provide the most value for the show that we could. Yeah, absolutely. I I have I have that now. Like I see people like shoot in front of me in like the podcast world, and like I think it's natural to have those feelings. But then it's like you have to be like oh, also like especially if they're your friends, you're like it's also an opportunity for you. Like it's I don't know, it's it's a weird thing, especially with music too, right? There, there's no rhyme or reason who makes it who or makes it is not the right word, but you know there's no rhyme or reason why some people get elevated to that next level. Like I think I would dis- I would I would agree, disagree with that completely. Oh, what, what's your? Well, you yeah, I wouldn't play. I, n- n- Luck, make your own luck. Like, yeah, it, it's certainly talent, but hard work, more, consistency, more than that. Yeah, and we toured, we toured as much as possible all the time. It is and, road dogs. Like, yeah, I saw totally, you and a ton. We, you know, we weren't the most popular sounding band because uh, we didn't want to do what everybody else was doing, and we were doing it for us and. Uh, the shows were for the fans, but kind of like the music was for us. Because, you know, why would you go on tour if, if it wasn't yeah, for other people? Yeah. Because um, we certainly were not getting paid that much. Yeah. But we were building a building a name, and your your name is every, sort of everything. If, if people say Big D in the kids' table, it, it holds a certain amount of, I don't know, the word clout, respect, or like even if they don't know a song... Uh, they're like, oh, I know that name. Yeah, yeah. You know, like that. That's because that's you know, two hundred shows a year. Is that what brand recognition? Is that what that's called? Is yeah, that, I, I would say brand recognition yeah. for sure. And, and um, so, like, what? Um, how long? Like, at what point are you doing the band? Where you're starting to kind of think of like your next steps of life to be like, I don't. I'm just gonna assume maybe you're just like, I don't want to be in a van the rest of my life, or like um, you know. Well, we were kind of in in buses, and it was it was like. At the end, uh, but always van, and it was awesome. But I had met my wife a couple of years before the end, and uh, I had done about 13 years, then met my wife, and still toured after I met her. Oh, wow. Toured after we got married, then was like, I want to have kids. Yeah. But I don't want to be touring the way... The band is, and every obviously everything slowed down because of you know Corona, but the band was still touring hard when I stopped. Yeah, what year is this? Um, fifteen years from '96, so whatever that is. Okay, oh, so you were there, two thousand eight, two thousand nine. Yeah, probably around there. So, oh, that's the kind of when I stopped. Oh, wow. God, so yeah, so anytime I would have seen Big D, I definitely would have seen you guys. Yes. Wow, damn. I didn't realize how much of our, our overlap that was. I was like, damn. Yeah, 15 years is a long time, and it was really <sighs> a challenging decision to leave the band because 
knowing the work of getting it. I'm not just going to like ditch the band. This is like my family. Yeah, I was going to say. You live with them. You've, you're with them all the time. Like that's all I knew. It's an emotional decision for yeah, sure. Yeah, like, so um, we found Brian Clem from uh, Suburban Legends. I don't know if you know that. Love Suburban Legends. Yeah, so Brian Clem, he was living with uh, Aaron, the singer of Real Big Fish. Mm-hmm. So I stayed at their apartment in California for a few days, and we just rehearsed Big D songs and taught Brian kind of how to play a set's worth of stuff until we can transition him fully but that ended up not working out and they've gone through a couple other guitar players this guy nick from a band called big lick um and now they've been with alex for quite a while he i don't know 10 years is it odd for you guys no i love alex he's great i've been to so many shows now and um it's just like i had um like i just moved my house My, my family we just sold our house Right here in Edgewood, the Edgewood section of Cranston. Sea town. <laughs> and um, we moved two blocks away. Yeah. But currently, we're living with my mother-in-law and renovating the house. But um, so as I've got to know the family that moved into the house that we sold, um, people think it's like, oh, you're weird because I still live two blocks from him. Yeah. But the the family is really great, and they have two kids, and the guy Dave is really cool. But we consider uh, I. I was talking about this, like, I don't want to leave you, if you have any questions about how the house works, because I lived there for 10 years. Yeah. Um, it's sort of like the same thing. We were stewards of the house. Yeah. So, like, it was just, you know, they built the house in 1920. There's been multiple families that have lived there and grown up there, but then they move on from the house. Yeah, yeah. So Big, Big D was not my first band. We, everybody in the band was in bands in high school. Yeah. So the, my, my first band was called JIT. Which stood for janitor in training, and <laughs> <laughs> we were at Pilgrim High School in Warwick, and you know we played some shows at the living room, and oh, so you're from here? Yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. I don't yeah. know. I just, assume, I just Big D's Boston for some reason. I'd... Yeah, we we met at Berkeley College of Music in Boston. Oh, but okay. A lot of the band was from California and New England. Never knew that. Yeah. And there's a Rhode Island connection. Yeah, we had a Texas connection. Yeah, I grew, you know, so me and Dave were sort of like the closest people to Boston. Yeah. Dave's from Massachusetts and um isn't he Salem or something like that? Yeah. Like, North, uh, like if you're in Massachusetts, like this ain't Boston. Yeah. But once you leave the state, it's like whatever, it's all Boston. Yeah. And then when you live in Boston all the time and Yeah. yeah so it's Boston. Yeah. Salem. <laughs> yeah. Whatever. If you if you want to not say it's Boston, that's fine. Whatever. People it get doesn't. so weird about that. Well, and that was so much of the it's brand just identity. It's ego. It's just ego. I like, know. why the fuck do you care? Like, you, you live in Walpole. I'm like, I don't care. But like, cause yeah, you, I remember I used to have that shirt. The this is in Boston. This is in LAX. It's Boston. Yeah, Boston, or, not LA. Boston, not LA. Or I had a big D hoodie. Where, like it had the big D on the back of the hoodie, but the front would just say Boston. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah we completely identified with the city. It was our. Our like lifeblood, like a true Rhode Islander. <laughs> yeah, a true Rhode Islander identifying with Boston. <laughs> yeah, I lived there. I was in. Yeah. Yeah, you know, I I went to Boston in 1995 and never didn't come back until 2008. That's so cool that you came back. Uh, to, to excited. Yeah, I wasn't living here then. Then, uh, well, I came back uh, here. I, um, my buddy in Boston who I lived with, he got engaged. And he his family owned the house, so he kicked his roommates out basically. Oh, All on good terms. He's like, I'm moving, you know, I'm moving on from this stage of life. Yeah. So I was just touring and had this little room 
was paying 250 bucks a month. I was like, this is perfect. Yeah. I love it. Uh, right in Oak Square in Brighton. Ooh. And it was like just a great setup. I lived there for years and always lived a lot of Alston and Brighton apartments and stuff. But yeah. um, my brother was going through a divorce at the time in Rhode Island right here in Edgewood. Uh, he had just flipped a house. Like he bought a house to renovate it to sell. And he had just finished renovating, but his wife ended up cheating on him and ended up being a real nasty person at that first <laughs> really nasty person right so it was like i'm just gonna live with you that's awesome so i moved into his the like the renovated basement and i lived with my brother and it was like awesome and i had just met my wife and they would hang out when i would go on tour and like the three of us were like a, this little team now my brother is happily married and his his wife is the fourth member of the team she's awesome yeah, I met your brother at the open house. Oh, yeah. yeah. I talked to him for a while. He's a Great. nice guy. Yeah, he's the best. I think, was it him? Because we, we all worked in healthcare. Yep. And, and his we ended wife. Up, yeah, we ended up, some of the, there's three of us end up getting in a circle talking about just working at a hospital during the last year and how... And probably how messed up it is. How we're all, uh, at least I, I can see for myself, how we're actively trying to no longer work at said hospital. Yeah. <laughs> I'm trying to get into this world. But yeah, yeah, yeah. Super, super nice guy. I think he was laughing too because I was like, I was like, oh, yeah, it was like a huge... Cause, uh, so we were here for the studio opening for the Urock studio, and and I don't know how much of your life. I was like, yeah, I was like a real big big D fan. I I, I think he had a, a bit of a chuckle over that. Yeah, he's he's been he's been to his share of big D shows. That's for sure. I would always give him all the different merch over the years and stuff. So, um, I don't know, a few months ago, maybe a year or so ago, could have been two years. I don't know at this point, but. He just had a whole bunch of big D shirts. He's like, I don't need all these big D shirts. <laughs> so Trevor, who is 16 and on our staff here, and is just like this amazing kid and can play everything, can teach everything, but he's a big D fan as well. So he he always was like a little a little geeked out that I played in big D. And he uh, my brother gave him all of the shirts. So Trevor has all these Aww. like old school big D shirts. That's really sweet. Yeah, I am um, one of my... I worked at a summer camp for kids with heart conditions for a long time. I oh, I, I, I used to go there, but one of my favorite campers... In t- t- you t- have a heart t- condition? I do. Cool. Yeah, and my buddy Eric Franchello, I know he's listening to this, I had get be- bequeathed him my Big D hoodie with the Boston on it when he was probably like 13 or 14. And I think he texted me like a year ago. He's like, he found it again. And I was like, oh, God, that's such a small world. I love that. But, you know, I, I totally get that. Like, I mean, like you put all that time and energy and these years into that band and then... Uh, you know, a fellow fellow dad. Um, I know what it's like when you want to have a kid. It just kind of changes your like kids change your mindset. Yeah, and I don't want to. I don't want to like. And you want to be mi- there. I don't want to miss it. Yeah, it's on, they're only going to be kids. My wife and I talk about this all the time, and everybody always says it goes by fast. You're going to yeah. miss it, and we're we don't take that lightly. We uh, our kids uh, our our schedules allow us, so we don't have to do daycare. Yeah, I'm with the kids from when they wake up till 3 p.m. Yeah, my wife is a first grade teacher. She comes home Aww. and author, and uh, no way. Yeah, she has a book. What? It's amazing. I'm happy to talk about that. And yeah, plug, that. plug it. Let's um, hear. But uh, just to finish the thought of at three, she comes home and takes care of the kids. Does yeah. bedtime until my workday starts at three, three yeah. thirty, where I teach and consult and speak and podcast and do all the, these yeah. things that we're doing now. Write, rock out, rehearse. Yeah. And when I come home, I'm in family life again. I'm not like in a hotel, sleep on tour. So like, w- we made it. We made our life happen. 
our lives happen. Um, but yeah, getting back to her, she's she's a author. She wrote a book called um, Maggie Jane. I'd write a song about that, and you can find it on Amazon, or you can get it through her website, which is emilyrogan.org. Is she part of the What's Your Club? Uh, no. There's the it's in downtown Providence. I'm, I'm a member. They have a podcast. There's a, it's called the What Shears Writers Club. Yeah. Um, it's for creatives. There's like there's a podcast studio. You both would love it. They're the one most wonderful kind. But it's it's a real big hub for the creative community within Rhode uh, Island. But like for an author like her, oh my yeah, yeah. that would be a good uh good place for her to explore. Of course. Yeah, that's that's yeah. Vulnerable. That's the thing. Like she has this beautiful book that she wrote and illustrated it. Oh, wow, she's bragging. Um, <laughs> it's it's just like so. So good. It's about us. It's about this girl, Maggie Jane. That's our daughter. She's oh. 10 now. But it's about... Uh, my wife's a first grade teacher, so it's a first grade chapter book. Oh, wow. And it's about this girl who grows up, and um, her dad owns a music school that's run out of the house, and the mom's a first grade teacher, which was Sounds us familiar. when we wrote it, yeah, because <laughs> my school started out of the house. And um, my daughter's quite musical, and... I, Throughout our daily lives, I'm always like, oh, I'd write a song about that. Yeah. Or we, my wife's book, she's working, the next one is called Maggie Jane. Uh, that's a good band name. <laughs> that's a cute name. I love so that. That's a she's, she's probably about halfway done with that. But the, the point was like, we don't, we don't really have time to, we would love to be hanging out with creatives and uh, doing all this stuff. But we're just super into just being with the kids. They don't like, they don't do really sports or all that kind of stuff My God. they all kind of jam a little bit and we just kind of like being together because it, it goes by so fast and you they're not like going to want to hang out with us when you actually like your wife oh i love my wife yeah, she's me too. the best I, we're team actually like happy married i oh, think, we're both, I think both of us seem to be in that same boat of yeah, like, why would you get married if, you, if it's not being single is awesome find someone who changes like with my, my view it's like i love being single so i found someone that changed my i was like all right i'm willing to give up this for that Oh I, yeah, I didn't give up anything. I I get a completely what I want. I um, oh. I I manifest everything that I want, and I worked. I did a lot of self work yeah. to find to to make it so that yeah. when the girl of my dreams came up or was in the presence of her, that I would have the courage to walk up to her or however. I actually passed her a note uh, through the waitress, and my brother was with me, and. Um, it's oh. actually, you know, this is a podcast. I can tell the story. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. <clears throat> we are in the Edgewood section of Cranston currently, and there's a bar called O'Rourke's. I love it. Oh, in the village. Right in the village. Yeah, a bar, bar restaurant. So I had just moved to Rhode Island from Boston. This was uh, December 19th, 2008, maybe. Eight, yeah. You got right the, around that time. You got the date right. Seven. I mean, you're doing better than I am. Well, that, yeah, that was like the date. That was the date my life changed. Oh, I my man, kids you're getting too. so many points for this. <laughs> <laughs> so honestly, uh, uh, the, my brother and I went out because it was my buddy Jarrett. His fiance at the time was a music teacher at Aldrich Junior High School, and they had a winter show. So I, he invited me. I was like, oh, my brother's Matt. I was like, oh, you want to go see the Aldrich Junior High Winter <laughs> Junior High School concert? Like, what else are you going to do on a Friday night? Yeah. Uh, so he was like, sure. And I was like, oh. we both went there. And I'm a music teacher. And, or, you know, I, had, I wasn't a teacher yet. 
but I had graduated with my degree in music education. And I was yeah. just in a band and touring. And um, we went to this show, and the person was, like, late. The, one of the conductors was late and all this stuff. And it was just kind of, like, put back a little bit. So we went to the show. It was great. We left. I'm like, oh, you want to go get some food? And um, we went to O'Rourke's, and I had never been out in Rhode Island as an adult. Oh, that's always, yeah. So... I had never had like a drink or anything. So it was kind of like my first Rhode Island bar grill. So I going in with complete mind of being single, like I have been single for a while. And I saw my wife and it was like I was punched in the face. It was it was the strongest feeling I've had and I've only had it two other times in my life. The first time was the day I picked up a guitar. I played it for six hours until my fingers were bleeding, and I was like, holy crap. I was 15 and completely committed my life to music. Uh, the second time was the first time I jumped out of an airplane and landed and was like, oh, my God, I have to do this again. That sounds awesome. So I have about a 1,000 skydives. And, Way um, to bury the lead, man. Dave from Big D got me into skydiving. He was the one who got me into it. Um, <laughs> my head's like a little... And we're going to do this again because I'm going to yeah. do another episode where we just like, there's so many little nuggets that you're dropping. We had to come back to but pick that, up another day. But the point was then I saw my wife and it was that same feeling of absolute certainty. And my personal development had given me the confidence to say, I need to make this happen. Um, talked to her and got her number and kind of like instantly fell in love. I We both kind of knew... We knew we were going to be married within like a couple of weeks. Yeah, and then we had to like wait and all. But like we, the the day the day we started hanging out, we hung out the next day, and it was amazing. Hasn't stopped. So like you kind of hinted to like uh, personal development and stuff. Like you're a big like power now like kind Definitely. of guy. Definitely, I do a lot of personal development. Yeah, where did that all start? Um, when my mom passed away about twenty years ago. I'm sorry to hear that. Oh, uh, thank you. She, yeah, she had cancer, and oh, Big D came to the funeral, and when they all walked in, that was like the most uh, intense part. Yeah, so they're with me throughout. That's the, you said. Good luck is the your favorite, your first album, and the, favorite. Yeah, the dedication on the inside of that is to my mom. Oh, I know exactly. Oh man, that says to Janice Rogan. I'm gonna and, like tear up. That's yeah. so beautiful. Yeah, it's amazing. So yeah, that was a oh, big part. Oh man, of it. Yeah, that's gorgeous. So, that's um, so sweet. So that led me. She died of cancer, and I was like, how the fuck did this happen? So the, a year, like, on the anniversary of that, my family was having, like, a memorial kind of, like, dinner thing, and I was looking at a plate of taco salad, and I was looking at the beef, and I was kind of, like, connected the life of the beef to my mom and kind of thought, Life, mm-hmm. life was all balanced and like we're not balanced but we're kind of like all the same this oneness sure yeah and I just stopped eating meat yeah for like 20 years wow currently oh. I pretty much only eat meat and the point is when I became a vegetarian I was like I can't my family was just like you can't just stop eating meat so I started reading some books and that was the process of self-learning that I had never been through mm. school I did school I did music Music was self-learning, but that was music. That was like my life. Yeah. But I started reading some nutrition books. Mm. And um, to date, my passion for nutrition is equally the same as music. I Mm. just read about it. I experiment. I love it. um, 
I'm happy to talk about it for as long as you want, but it led me down the path of, of, of self-development and yeah. coming across all these di- different books. I read a book called um, The Game, uh, The Game, Penetrating the Secret Society of the Pickup Artist, mm. Learning How to Pick Up Women. Mm. And I went through it, and it changed my life. Basically, be the best version of yourself and be confident. This They're isn't not like neggers and like bad people, right? No, this is like Cause it, you know, bad people. There's, the, I know, there's the there's negging a, is a is a negging is a, negging is the act of giving somebody a like a a a whimsical diss. Yeah, because people say the same things to pretty girls all of the time, and they don't yeah. want to hear that. Like if she says, "Oh, I'm a model," you say, "Oh, like a hand model." Mm-hmm. That's a neg. Okay. But being able to be in the mindset of like. I'm the prize here. Yeah. As opposed to going up to a girl. And like I experimented all and would having my my friends go through this, like they I'm reading this book and tell like guys, I'm reading this book and like they would read it. And it it was just like a social experiment of I'm gonna say this, I'm gonna walk up to that person and talk to them. Yeah, yeah. I would talk to cashiers and I learned about how to talk to people and how to have my story and my why and all, all this self-development is like a huge part of my yeah. daily daily life. And it's it's led me to um, fitness and nutrition and it all started from not wanting cancer and it's led to the food that we eat and the way that we live. And I don't want to have cancer because of my why. I don't want my wife to watch me go through that and I don't want my kids to see me go through that. I, yeah. want, to, I want to play with my grandkids and I want to... Mm. be an active father and get on the floor and wrestle with my three-year-old and, you know, love it. Yeah, so, like, do you th- think that, like, that part, like, doing all that, because I'm, like, I have my toe in that water a little bit, too. My friend Margie is, um, she's the CEO of Interview Connections, which is their uh, podcast booking agency. They're out of Cranston. They're uh, they're awesome. But right. she she also had great podcast hosts as well. Uh, but, um, so, like, I know they, at one point, I was... Then COVID hit. She was like trying to convince me to like do the landmark form, which is like a big self development thing. And she's kind of my business mentor, where I've like currently working full time and starting to make my own thing and side hustle. Yeah, I have the side hustle, and then the side hustle starting now. It's like I can call a side hustle that's actually turned into a hobby that turned into a side hustle that's now a a part time job, which we're trying to continue on. But you know, a lot of that inner work that you were talking about, like I don't know about you, if you found this for yourself, like. I get my own way all the time. Like uh, <laughs> all the things that were preventing me from doing those next steps were just always came down to me. I'm, I'm a big therapy person as well. So like, oh, good. yeah, like all that. Uh, like, so do you think like doing that personal development, like power now, all that kind of stuff besides like meeting your wife, like, do you think that was also like part of, like, is this lining up with your decision of like ready to leave the band and make these next steps to make the life that you've built here that to be the teacher and the stu- have the studio and stuff? Do you think there's all, is that all connected? Uh, yeah. Uh, yes, everything is connected and I make my own decisions and I make my life happen. Like, it, yeah, I, I, I mean, you had to make a conscious choice at some point you're leaving the band and, um, correct me if I'm wrong, but you had to say, I'm not gonna, like, I just, uh, interviewed Sergio from the early November and a uh, great guy. And he had an interesting thing where his one hit his. We played Warp Tours with them. Yeah, too. yeah, of course. Yeah. yeah, of course. It's all, it's, it's yeah, all, all these people. To quote the, uh, to quote the wire, all the pieces matter. Yeah. Um, but like, you know, for him, his experiences, he left the band with no discernible skill set and was like, ended up working, like, he ended up finding sales down the road. But, um, like, everyone in a band has to have this decision, like, 
do I fall back on my degree? Do I do this? Like what? I had zero fallback. You could I have, have become a corporate guy, you know. But God, th- no, I could this not. This is have what been. you did. No, well, you didn't I did know. this intentionally because I. Yeah. The moment I picked up a guitar, I lo- I've immediately committed my life to it, and throughout that was freshman year of high school, and throughout my high school yeah. time, I I wanted to get my degree in music education. I knew about Berkeley. My teachers in high school were from Berkeley, and they kind of inspired me to go there. Yeah. And I always l- enjoyed teaching. I was like camp counselor. I always yeah, liked hanging too, out. Yeah. Um, and I was good at it. I never talked to kids. When, uh, I still am. Like, I don't talk to kids like, hey, Billy. Like, I just talk to kids like they're my people. Nor- like normal people. Even little kids. Like, hey, you want that thing? You guys like that TikTok? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. But it's, it's funny. I love, I love hearing about this because, like, you know, you have such a unique path. But, like, I love hearing about all don't the intentionality. Yeah, we do. Everyone's story is so different, you know. And like, yeah. it, I, I just, I always thought I was gonna be a work a, I'll work this job and I'll go home and have a fine life. I never thought in my entire life like, I'm gonna run my own company and work for myself one day in a creative field that's only been around for 15 years. Like, yeah. I'm the opposite of ever thought I'd be an entrepreneur. Oh. Like, I love stability. I love the grind of just like a boring work job. Or I, th- I thought I did. These were things I thought I loved until. The re- you know, it's something I'm like learning about myself. It's the reason I've never said I've had a career is I've always had a job. Because I never really loved what I did. I just I almost commented on yeah. that when you said a part time job. Like, why would you want your hobby to be a part time job? Well, I started the podcast as a hobby, and then I tried to quit because of uh, some like like stuff happened. And then I started back up when it started back up. It so it went from hobby, and now it's actually turning into like part time work, like freelance work. I want to turn it into full time job. Have but, you uh, taken any courses on how to? Like uh, make I did money through podcasting. Yeah, actually, I did uh, last oh. year. I went through a PR exit at a really great Amazing. class. Book. Yeah, it's been yeah, there's some great content. Yeah, yeah, and online um, learning and oh yeah, and I have friend. We, I'm in the process of developing. Co- we, we'll talk about this kind of stuff. <laughs> this, I have lots of ideas for us for afterwards because I feel like we're both in that same thing. Like, uh, yeah, my whole thing now it's really just trying to continue to build the Let's Chat brands. Brand is like. The, the, well, I, it's a community. In, in my, first and foremost, it's a community. But when you're talking business, it's a brand. Which you uh, know, I had to get over that. You know, it's going to sound so funny. I had to actually get over that. Like Margie helped me a lot with getting over that money mindset of like being like feeling not guilty about wanting to make a lot of money, not feeling guilty of like I had a hard time even just saying the words like I want to do this. Yeah, man, it's hard. It was it is. really fucking uncomfortable. I'm even over now, it now, I'm a little, <laughs> I'm a little squeezy even well, saying listen, it. Well, listen, the 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 more the more money I make means the more people I'm helping with music. So yeah. it's it's win win. And I also know money makes problems go away. Like it buys you know time. What? You know what, dude? Uh, w- when I was on tour with Big Team, we're getting five dollars a day. Yeah, and f- like five five bucks a day. The um. I spend $40 a week for someone to cut my lawn because it would take me three hours yep. to cut it, weed whack, yeah. bag it, clean up, all this shit, which yeah. I loved doing at my old house, but we moved. I'm like, in three hours, I could teach multiple classes. I could do a podcast, and I could meet with my assistant and go over blah, blah, blah. Yeah. It's like my time is the most valuable thing now. So if you want to give me money for my time, you can, but it has to be enough money to make it worth it. And it has to be something worthwhile. 
A hundred percent. Yeah, that's the secret of money is it doesn't buy happiness, but it buys time. My therapist gave me the this is the I best like advice I've ever gotten. If there's like something yeah, if there's something in your life you don't want to do, um the, he has an equation. So this works for anyone, doesn't matter your income bracket. Um if it's less than what you make in an hour, then you just pay someone to do it. Exactly. Perfect example. Exactly. I hate grocery shopping. You don't need fucking to do that. hate it. But I'm I before my own mindset was like, well, I can't spend that seven dollars on Peapod. I have to go to the store and do it myself and spend those two plus hours. I spend seven extra I spend seven dollars. I save two hours, and I get to spend that hour with my kid or my free time, or I can go consult, or I can do whatever the hell I want. It's my two hours. You know, so I, I stopped thinking of things in service in that way of like, all right, I'm paying Grubhub because I'm too lazy to drive there, or usually it's after eight and I'm high as hell because it's <laughs> my daughter's in bed, so I don't want her to cry. And I'm like, oh, I don't know, it's like $5. I'm like, no, I'm spending $5 to save myself one hour, and I'm safe. You know, like... It's and you know I'm, and the more income, the more money you have, that number changes. Like you know, yeah. for me that number doesn't go very high, as high as I'd like it to. But like you know, I'd like to get to the point and be like, well, you know, I'd love to be at that point where like, those numbers are like in the thousands of dollars or something like that. Like, for sure. well, I don't want to get like you know, I don't want to, I don't know, I don't want to buy a car. I don't want to go shopping. I'll hire a personal assistant to do it for me. Yeah, I'm not there yet. And also I, like the the power of money is like the more money I can generate through my businesses the more I can help out, like, I would love to have more of a, um, a like, a, a phil- philanthropic side where you can yeah. actually donate to causes that you believe in and help because yeah. you have money. Yeah, oh, my so, God. I, like, you know, all I want to do... nothing wrong with it. Yeah, yeah, and then there shouldn't be, but it was just the societal... It's, just, it's a thing that I had to go through myself, oh, but, yeah. it, like, now I'm like, I want to make a fuck ton of money and I'm going to take all of that money and I'm going to hire all of the friends and all of the supporters and all of these people I've worked with. Like, I wish I had, like, a boatload of money. Like, Sean, I'm renting out your studio tomorrow. Here's X amount of dollars and we're going to throw this gigantic party here. Or, you can do that. Uh, yeah, like, you know, actually, we probably do that with without a million dollars. Uh, but, but you uh, can do it for 500. Yeah, we... That we, we're going to talk about that too, yeah. <laughs> uh, but you know, rockstudios.biz. Yeah, and that's, party. so that's another thing I really want to talk to you about the studio and and the, the school because I'm not I'm not how into the podcast where I know you have a podcast that if you're like a, a obsessive listener as such as I am, but uh, uh, no, I have about two two podcasts, two or three that I listen to somewhat regularly. I do a lot of audio books as well, so I have to balance my audio books with my podcasting. And you probably have no time. Uh, well, I have time. Like, if I'm doing, if I'm driving, first yep. of all, that is the biggest opportunity to learn. Yeah. So I do a lot of, uh, like, I don't listen. I don't listen to anything for fun or like entertainment. There's no entertainment we're in my so, life anymore. We're so opposite. That's all uh, I listen to. <laughs> well, well, I have too much to do. Yeah I, have, yeah, yeah. I want. I want to. I want to take my business to the next level. So I have to learn. I have to absorb yeah. all of. All of, there's so much great stuff for free that people can teach me, and I apply these habits to my life and to become successful. And I am successful because of my habits. Yeah, habits are everything. So, so there's um there's a great punk rock podcast called That One Time on Tour, which is Chris Sinny. <laughs> that sounds great. He was in uh, the Ataris. Oh, nice. But um he's a played with him. He uh, yeah, I was gonna say you probably. I, I wonder if you know him or not. If you would know him, but he uh, um, not by n- no. Name, but, uh, but he um he's in Indiana. But same thing. Podcaster and then runs a music school. Uh, oh, you should get us in touch. Yeah, that sounds great. It's like, I like one time on tour, I got impaled. 
Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that um, that you guys, you would be a perfect guest for that show. Uh, so I was like, oh, that's Dave so would be a perfect guest for that. Too. Yeah, that dude gets in some. Oh, McWayne. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he, you know, he's actually been on my list for years, but he's one of the people that he, he has a new album coming out. You should do it sooner than later. I know. I, he was on. I, I have a list of people that um, I'll connect you. I don't ask because I'm afraid they'll say yes. Because I, I want to do it. It's just like him, like Conan O'Brien. There's certain people that loom so large in my like head. It, like I stop myself. But yeah, I, I will. Dave gladly. is. Dave is just. I've met him a million times. So every time, just like, hey man. he's been on so many. <laughs> of my, he was on my friend Andrew's show. He was just on Power Quarter. He's been on my buddy. Show. He's been on so many shows. I've always just been like, uh-huh. like, but yeah, I will. I'll do it because there's lots of people like that where it's just that there's just something you're like, I don't know, man. You get like a little nervous, but I'm sure it'll be awesome. But yeah, definitely connect because that would be awesome. Yeah, for sure. Oh God, it'd be fun. We should do like the three of us. Like if you guys do old story, if you guys are still, that would be so hilarious. That would be fun. Like, tell me when Sean impaled himself. This art, actually, we should do it in this room because this. Shabalami. Yeah, there it is. We're gonna put this on the. We'll he put would, this on the feed. He would love to uh, see that. Absolutely. Oh my God, that it would is. be so cool. So you know, you know, I'll go back to where we were. It's like. You're living your intentional life. You've met the woman of your dreams. And uh, the tattoo that says, I rule. You know, you. Uh, <laughs> it, it, it seems like you kind of did what a lot of, uh, you know, you went through that trauma of losing your mom. But yep. like what trauma can do for all of us, it can turn around and kind of make lead, the worst thing in your life can lead to the best things in your life. Oh, yeah. That definitely happened for a reason. Um, yeah. It's not that, and uh, people hear that wrong. It's not that that happened so this could happen it's just this happened it's like a fixed point this happened yeah and whatever you do to go forward like i'm a pts survivor ptsd survivor like i don't have it anymore like i've gone through that stuff and and it's um you know the thing that you know my my, my wife almost died giving birth and that really you know fucked me up and whatnot but because of that it really led to my wife finding her intentionality of really finding her her passion in life is uh like uh women's rights and like helping like stuff like that and for me it was like i want to take this podcast i had been doing for a hobby but not admitting to myself that i loved as much for six years now eight for to the next step and that like for me that was my moment like getting better from the ptsd was like i want to take this seriously i really want to level up and all that and start a business so it's funny but uh, so anyway so that back to you so you're living your intentional life um so you was studio first or the summer camp or the school first uh, I, I was, I left Big D and my wife and I bought a house here in Edgewood that we just sold that I was talking about earlier. So I'm living, I'm living here like Monday through Friday, working on the, the house, being with my wife, she's teaching. And then like on the weekends, I would go up to skydive New England in Lebanon, Maine. And I was a videographer there. So they would pay me to jump out of the airplane and film you and take pictures so you found a way to get paid to do that yeah the the, my first skydive i had photo and video and i'm watching this dude fly through the air giving me a hang loose sign he's just like laughing i was like i want that job and i fucking worked my ass off and i got that job so i could fly my body and had the gear and um i wouldn't have been able to do that if my mom didn't die because the my grandfather had some money but left it to his kids but his kids couldn't touch it. Like we didn't grow up with money. Mm-hmm. And but when their parents died, it got split. So I basically got like I don't know, it's like a hundred and twenty thousand dollars or something. Mm-hmm. Like a basically, that's a small business loan essentially. Yeah. So I finished college and paid off my student 
thing. I, so that was yeah. like a hundred thousand dollars. Yeah. So I just gave it, and I was like, okay, I don't have that money anymore. That's fine. Never even saw it. I, I've been living a certain lifestyle. I don't need it. But that money I had allowed me to get into the skydiving world, which is somewhat expensive, and buy a parachute. Like mm. parachutes are not cheap. And probably all. one of those things that shouldn't be. Yeah, you and you don't, be like you, don't a skim, you don't want to skimp on your parachute. <laughs> well, this one's half off and it's used, but um, it could kill me if I don't. I mean, I have a bunch of tattoos, and good tattoos aren't cheap, and cheap mm-hmm. tattoos aren't good. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have had the, the ability to just get tattoos. That's probably not the best use of the, my inheritance of getting tattoos and skydiving. But it all led me here, and I'm happy. Yeah, and I've been happy. I was not happy for a while. When my mom died, I was sad, but like still have a good life and was touring and all that. It was in college. We were touring in college. And then it was just like kind of got my shit together. Were you always someone who's super like in tune with your emotions and, and like intentional? I've been very emotional, yeah. 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 Uh, I was not always intentional, not until I realized I could be. I was always um, a little unsure of myself. Now I'm quite sure. Yeah. confident. I, I know that. I Yeah, I th- same with you. Like, had that, like, I don't know, there's, like, a switch that flips somewhere yeah. down the line. I don't know if that's the right word, but the, it's the, you know what, it, well, so I, it's, it's professional development or therapy. For me, I do EMDR therapy. It's, uh, you get there, we all get to these places from different ways, but. The goal is to be happy, right? Yes. Is that, if that's our goal. Yeah. It's not money. It's it, nothing else. It's just yeah. inner happiness. When, you know, you could be, there's a great documentary on studies about happiness of, like, of like, it opens up with this guy, this like like rickshaw rider in like Calcutta, India, very poor, lives in a hut, and he's happy. And like the idea is like happiness can be really found anywhere, regardless. And the there's even like people who are in concentration camps and the Holocaust can. It, it sounds terrible, but that sounds terrible. It is, but there are times where people can find happiness there because happiness at the end of the day really does come down to you. A lot of it, it's. The, the core to have key to happiness is human connections. Uh, it's connections to other human beings, and really the mindfulness, gratefulness practices. You know, yes. obviously, uh, you gotta love life. yourself. You do, and I feel like I've spent a lot of time not, and like even well, you know, you can see what happens when you hate yourself. You know, yeah, it's when people do bad things. So they come see me. <laughs> you know, like I work at Butler, so I've you know I've seen people after they've made attempts and stuff like that, and yeah. you know, it, it it can mess you up. I've had a. I don't want to throw this out that like I have had a very lucky life. Like my parents are great. I've had a really nice white suburban life. Like sure. Plenty of privilege in my life that I, you know, fair enough to recognize, but um, anybody can, can do personal development. The shit's free. You can spend, I spend money on it. Like I have coaches. I have multiple coaches in my life. I have a, I have a nutrition coach. Yeah, I've got a yoga coach, like yep. my teacher, um, business coach, music business coach, plus all of my music teachers. Um, oh yeah, my friend Nikolai is a life uh, financial coach. I'm creating a podcast coaching position for myself. Like that's part right. of my my angle is going to be podcast coach slash consultant. Kind of, I'm a case manager, and my job at my job is to connect people to community resources. So I want to take consulting and coaching and kind of mash those together, and, and which. And companies and people have paid me money to do that, and it's pretty fucking crazy and awesome. Oh, cool. uh, yeah, you there's have to a, get me in touch with them too. Yeah, there's a <laughs> huge network of like coaches and stuff, especially if you go in like Clubhouse or something like that. Have you ever used that app? Yeah. Uh, no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, but that, yeah, that's my world. But um, yeah, so 
Yeah, to the studio. So then, so you're intentional, and you you decide to start teaching music, and then. Yep. Oh, well, so the, the, yeah. to get back to the question was, I left Big D, and then I was skydiving. Yeah. <clears throat> and I broke my foot. Oh, so God. my skydiving stopped, which meant my income stopped. Oh. So I'm I'm in this new home, and you know my wife's teaching. She's still a first grade teacher, and we have kind of like no debt other than the new house, and uh, we're like doing okay. And I was like. I, I have to make money. So I, I Googled how to make money teaching guitar. Wow. I knew I could play and I knew I could teach. And I also knew I could teach other instruments because I just graduated from Berkeley, if, yeah. you know, a handful of years before. And I, that's what I want to be doing. But I don't want to teach band at a middle school. Like, I don't want to be a band director and play freaking trumpet all day. Like, yeah. I don't like playing wind instruments like that. I like playing guitar, bass, drum, keys, ukulele. I like singing and songwriting and recording. And that's exactly what we teach at E-Rock School of Music. I used to teach trumpet and clarinet and flute. And then we got enough students where I was able to, to niche down and say, like, I don't, we don't do that. We do the rock and roll instruments. Not that you can't have trumpets in rock and roll. Obviously, I was in a ska band. We had a lot of horns. But that's not, I don't want to do reading of music because mm-hmm. I don't like reading music, and I know a lot of other people don't. So we, that's part of our curriculum is not reading. We have over 600 students, almost 700 students. Wow. And I used to say not one of them, but about 150 students ago, one of them said she wants to learn how to read, but she's a unicorn. Uh, shout out to Beth Clark. Aww. And um, yeah, so I started researching how to make money, and I found a couple of, of resources and I built a website with my foot in a cast and I had recently just gotten my first drum set so I learned how to play drums with my foot in a cast I, I played uh, Plastic Beach by Gorillaz in headphones when my wife would go to work I would go in the basement and I would play Plastic Beach on the drums and then go do the rest of my stuff I built the website and we put flyers in everybody's doors and I got a student We started. I started teaching out of the living room I got two students Word of mouth. A couple years go by, and I was like, there's too many people in my house in the living room. So we refinished the basement, and I'm handy. So my friend Bob and I did that, and we moved, built a studio in the basement. And we started getting about a couple other years go by, and we started getting about 100 people, kids, teens, adults, coming in and out of our basement. And then it was like, we need to get a storefront. So you're in that second phase of that now in the basement. We took over the basement about a year ago, refinished it. But yeah, we have a studio and a school and it's Dude, it's gorgeous. Dope. <laughs> and so I, I live I live in Rhode Island. Um I didn't know this place existed. Uh, driving by it's just a church. <laughs> like so like that used to be my pharmacy. So I was like, wait, there's a studio over Yeah, there? we didn't want to have uh the way I got this building was great through my friend Natalina who owns uh, Edgewood Fitness for Women, which is a oh, block yeah, yeah. down the... And they have, like, the glass front. Yeah. I had the deposit on that place mm-hmm. for U-Rock School of Music. Yeah. And we had a mutual client, and she said... I had mentioned that I wanted this place. I was like, oh, I wish I could get that place, but um, it's a fitness place. And Natalina wanted something more visible, and I wanted something less visible. Oh, that's funny. And so... We planned it out and we we like swapped leases and it totally worked out and now she plays in a band and I'm in a band with her called Stillhouse. 
Oh, wow. Yeah. Um, and I train at her studio once a week, and she's actually... I would take my kids, because I mentioned that we don't do daycare, so each one of my kids as babies and toddlers have gone with me once a week to Natalino to train. Aww. So Natalina's like held them while I'm doing like burpees and stuff. So, oh my God, that's yeah. adorable. Yeah, she's great. The one thing I want to touch on, which I appreciate you saying, like acknowledging like the privilege or the stuff you have. Um, and I, I'm a fan of that, but of people just acknowledging when things, they had things, I don't want to say good, or like <laughs> when you had those things. Because I'm a big believer in like, I don't care what you have, it's what you do with it. So like even if you were born into like a family with billions and if you turn around, like, I'll give a perfect example. A friend of mine at work is a peer specialist, which are adults with mental illness or in recovery who then turn around to go help other people. My friend Adam, he's very open about it. He grew up, he's, he was born into a very wealthy family. He's from like Marblehead, Massachusetts. Marblehead, uh, dude. Marblehead. Marblehead. Uh, no, very wealthy. Todd from Marblehead? And then, uh, <laughs> and, but he, um, you know, he turned around and decided he's like, I'm going to become a peer specialist and help people where there's other people who are born into that kind of wealth. Like, I'm going to go work for ExxonMobil to make sure or become a lawyer for like a gigantic company to make sure they don't pay t- Amazon taxes. You know what I mean? One of my buddies married a Rockefeller and was like, boom, in a totally different world. Went from like hippie rock climber yep. to now part of his life's work is like, how do we distribute our wealth to help people? See, that's the good like, kind of rich. Cra- like, yeah, I've known crazy. those people. It's crazy. Yeah. So I think that's cool that like with all the, the, the you know, that thing with the inheritance or everything that you did was just to make A, yourself better, but you're making your community. I mean, I don't care that much about the economy, but, you know, you're helping the economy, which yeah. is great. But, like, I have a staff. You know, you, you pay people yeah. and you're creating a... And nobody, uh, I didn't, I kept paying people all through COVID, the whole staff. Get the we, fuck yeah, out of we, here. Well, the front desk, they didn't, they were just teens, but they didn't need to come because we, we were virtual, but wow. all my teachers kept, kept it up and it was cool. I bet that was one of those, like, you probably didn't even realize how important, like, I'm sure, obviously. Well, I you did. Know. I was like, we get, I, the, you have, my personal development as entrepreneur work is like, your most important thing is your staff. You have to take care of your staff. Yeah. You have to You have to really appreciate like, them. Like, you know, you're starting this whole thing and all this is happening, but none of us saw a pandemic. I'm sure, no, at least me and you, at least, we're not epidemiologists. So I wasn't like, one day there's going to be a pandemic. So it's unfortunate it happened. But then you got to take all that, because of all that happening, you got to then turn around and then help people. You know, and like, build a studio the whole time. I had enough time to build yeah. a studio. You know, I was that's here every day painting awesome. and like, um, and building it out and, uh, yeah, so we took we have virtual lessons now, so we can teach anybody in the country, yeah. which is also great for a lot of other businesses. So I can consult other people looking to start music schools, or yeah. I work as a producer as well, so we can have plenty of songwriting sessions and production meetings, you know, through Zoom. Isn't that po- podcasting amazing? through Zoom and all? Yeah. Yeah. You guys do a podcast too. Tell yep. us about that. You Rock School of Music podcast available on all podcast platforms. Uh, I'm the host, and we inter- we I interview different people to find out they're, they're either professional musicians, students, uh, or musical people that maybe not aren't not necessarily professional, but we learn their practice habits, their... <coughs> Their best shows, their worst shows, their their advice. So it's the same interview. <coughs> Sorry. <coughs> Excuse me. Are you choking? No, no. no. <laughs> so we we interview people to find out their habits, and it 
after you know fifty or sixty episodes, like people are saying the same thing when I when I ask them their question of advice, like what advice do you have for somebody who who wants to play a music to play an instrument but they don't think they can, and the the advice is almost identical. Uh, just they say just do it, just start, just pick. Because that's the enjoyable part of playing music is the process of learning it. Yes, recording's fun, touring's fun, all that stuff's fun. But when you're sitting on your edge of the bed playing guitar, you and it's like you're not thinking about your your bills or your your relationships. Well, you can channel that into songwriting, but it's it's being in the moment and it's it's sure. a great use of time and it active. There's countless scientific studies of the benefits of music for your yeah. creative brain and all, all your brains. And uh, all your brains. All your brains. Uh, yeah, so it's a big, big fan of it. Um, yeah, but everything is intentional. I, I love that, man. It's it's so cool to see all that you were able to to go from Big D. It still kind of throws my mind that you're from Rhode Island. I was like, I never, I just never knew that. Yeah. I, uh, we used to park the <laughs> we used to park the van in Rhode Island, um, or. Before we had our first van, this is probably like 96, 97, um, me and Dave would go home Friday after class. He would take the train to um, Salem-ish. Uh, what's his town? Ham- Hamilton. Ham- Hamilton Wenton is his town. And I would take the train to South Attleboro, get my car, then we'd both drive back to Boston. We'd load up our two cars with gear, drive to a gig, then go to another gig, come home, unload. Then we'd drive our cars back and then have to take the trains back. Jesus Christ. So we did that for a while. Then me and Dave were like, yo, we need a van. Because we were the only two people with cars. Yeah. She's so like, we need a van. So we bought the first van, King Stubby. Uh, it was an eight-passenger van we got at a car auction through a f- old boyfriend of my aunt. And uh, we bought it in cash, and that thing, we, we put a lot of miles. We took it down to Florida. We did multiple tours on that thing. Mm-hmm. But we, we fit 10 people in this eight-passenger van, plus our gear. We would get a trailer sometimes, but we go to shows in it, like 10 people in the eight-passenger van, and we fucking loved it. No cell phones, and we those were the best times. Being in the van, we were probably partying in the van a lot of it but um but even the long drives were middle of the day you're just sitting there and nobody's talking for three hours because you're just driving down a straight road in kansas and it's just corn and corn or you're driving through the desert or we're in a crazy snowstorm in montana in the middle of the winter or driving across canada and it's just like oh my god you just yeah no phones now I would I wouldn't go on tour now. Everybody'd be on their phone. There would be no bonding. You'd miss out on the greatest part of touring. Yeah. And I saw that happening at the end when we started getting phones and there was there was less connection in the in the band. Yep. Yeah. So yeah, I'm done with that. I can see yeah, I can totally see that. How did you and Dave meet? At school? Yeah, we met at Berkeley. Just Berkeley, yeah. Yeah, and then we started the band. Now, I know we all lived on the eighth floor of the same dorm. No way. Yeah, and Dave met Steve the bass player, and they were like, we want to start a band, and I lived with Mark, who was the other singer. He was my roommate, and he played trumpet, and we, uh, I wasn't actually the original guitar player. I, no way. I, I lived with Mark, and there, I was, would go to the, we were all hanging out, 
and Dave wasn't a singer. He was a drummer. And um, he, 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 like, didn't have the breath to do necessarily all the choruses and stuff. And the Boston's had, like, the dancing guy, mm-hmm. band car, and, uh, mm-hmm. like, what if we did something like that? So the first show we played was Upstairs in the Middle East. Mm-hmm. And I had a microphone and no instrument and would just back up the choruses and jump around. Yeah. And then there was, like, two shows like that. And summer vacation came from college, so everybody went home. It was the first, like, after freshman year. And then they didn't want the, I don't know, the guitar player left. They didn't necessarily want him in the band anymore, and he left anyway. So I was sort of, like, the obvious choice because I was already, so I practiced all the songs that summer. Then a couple months went by, and we recorded Shot by Lammy. That's fucking nuts. And um, is... Because I remember hearing Dave talk about this in an interview that Big D didn't start out as a ska band. It was just a bunch of kids at Berkeley who just, he's like, oh, they all play different instruments. We just kind of mishmashed it together. Yeah, yeah, sort of. There's always a ska direction because we liked it. Yeah. um, Yeah, we would never say we're a ska band. We just wouldn't, we wouldn't. We would say ska punk or punk ska, ska before core we. Or whatever, yeah. We would never say ska core. Just we never. We had many lengthy conversations on this. Yeah. How, or what do you sound like? And we don't want to be like, you know, rancid or you know the Boston. So we, the questions we all would say at the same like, well, oh, um, what kind of music do you play? We would just say fucking awesome. Yeah. So I we wouldn't that. give it a genre. Uh, what does your band sound like? Fucking awesome. <laughs> we just say that. <laughs> Where, is there an actual big? Now there's like a, I, I like very enmeshed in many Scott communities and stuff. You know, obviously, you know, from fucking. You can ask the story yeah. of the name. Big yeah, D. well, there's like such a legend of it. Like, there's always a rumor it goes after an actual person, or like, is that like is there is an answer actually out there? Is yes. there a mythology to it? Yes, there is an answer, and I'm happy to give it to you. Okay, cool. I didn't know that. I'm like, yeah. I'm like, I don't know if we're allowed to talk about that. Yeah. Um, there is uh, an old AT&T commercial with Tom Selleck narrating it when they were talking about long-distance rates yep. and stuff. Oh, boy. You can call Benny in Ohio. You can call Mary in Iowa. You can call Big D in the kids' table. And they cut the, the, the scene was like a Thanksgiving dinner, sort of like a bunch of people in a room. They're cutting. So Dave's friend, Connor said to Dave, Dave was in a high school band called Spoo. <laughs> and Connor said to Dave, the next band you're in, you should call Big D in the kids' table from that commercial. And Dave's like, okay. And <laughs> good impression. <laughs> so we get to college. We meet and start kind of jamming and writing some songs and, and hanging out. And we... We're like, we should play a show. And then it was like, well, what's the name of the band? And we were just kind of like there. And Dave was like, uh, my friend Connor said the next band I'm in, we should call Big D in the Kids Table. And we were all like, okay. Wow. <laughs> and, you know, we've told lots of stories and made up lots of stories along. Okay. Because we've answered this question like yeah. hundreds and hundreds of times in interviews and and everything. So um, it seems like it's Dave. But there is not an actual Big D. Dave has sort of uh, uh-huh. taken in it of uh, enough people call you Big D over the years since his name's Dave. But yeah. it, it, it 
didn't start like that. I always wonder, I'm like, he's not that big. It's, and I was like, maybe it's an ironic name. Like, yeah, it was just, it was from that commercial. If he was like a really heavy we talk, guy, it'd be funny. We talked about uh, an iguana named Big D for a while that we got in a knife fight. Um, I've heard that one. I always heard it was so, then there was always <laughs> the rumor that it was like someone's <laughs> uncle and like in one of your CDs. Is it good luck where there's like a picture of people at a kid's table and like that was them? Um, the in the interior the, artwork of good luck. Yeah. Uh, has, that was, uh, has, uh, some kids on it and one, but um, the shot by Lammy cover, that was the back cover, but the front yeah. cover I think might be what you're referencing. It's a, it, Dave's uncle Gus is like petting this dog. It's, yeah, it's yeah. Dave's family photo while he was in his mom's womb. Oh, okay. And it's like from the seventies. It's probably from 1976. So the colors are great. And um, yeah. That's awesome. Um, before we kind of start wrapping yeah. up though, I want to make sure we hit on Power of Love. Power of Love. Your uh, Huey Lewis tribute band that um, should be playing Comic Con this year. If, uh, uh, no, we, not officially, but that would be a good. Yeah, game. we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna figure out how to get this to happen. Comic Con, if you're listening. Yeah, make it happen. Let's go. Yeah. Um, That's just your fun band because you just love Huey. Um, actually, I have a Flux Capacitor tattoo wow. that my buddy Paul has from Big D. He plays trombone. He still plays trombone with Big D. Okay. Uh, but he, we were on Warp Tour, and we had a bus, and Back to the Future was on, like, nonstop. So we just, like, watched a lot. Of, and that yeah. was always one of our favorites. We are in Florida, and it was, like, a lightning storm out. We were like, oh, we should get flux capacitor tattoos. So that this tattoo is from uh, Oliver Peck. I don't know if you've ever seen, um, what is it called? M- Master Inc.? Oh yeah, yeah, I used to love that show. The guy with the mustache. Oh, in Florida. Well, the oh, uh, guy, the, yeah, yeah, yeah. The, one of the judge. I know exactly critiques. what you're talking about. Yeah. So he, he had a mobile tattoo shop on Warp Tour. It was an RV that he oh. would just go around with us and tattoo all the band members. So Paul and I got matching flux capacitor tattoos from Oliver, uh, who's just like such a cool dude. And um, we were talking about like we should we should start Huey Lewis and the News cover band. Mm-hmm. And we were just like, yeah, that would be awesome. And we got back from the tour, and we were telling our wives. I don't know if we were married yet, but our girlfriends, like our wives, are friend friendly. And we had a we had like a little vision board in my apartment with my wife, and my wife drew drew the band with fans and called it Power of Love. At the same time, uh, Randy, the drummer, and Joel, the bass player, were in another Boston band, um, and. They were saying we should start a power of love. Uh, should start a Huey Lewis and News cover band. And Steve, the bass player of Big D, hung out with Randy once and heard that and was like, "Oh my God!" Paul and Sean just had the same conversation. So he got me, Joel, Paul, and Randy together. We met at a diner up in Cambridge and we we talked about it and we're like, "Let's start Power of Love." And, and we found the rest of the band within a couple of weeks and we had our first practice. And we've been a band for. Probably eight, eight uh, probably ten years now. That's awesome. It's been like the length of my child, and she's almost ten. So, oh, that's dope. Yeah, but we're, it's not—it's no joke. It's not just just for fun. We work hard yeah. at it. We're fucking good. We have the horn section, the keyboard player. The, uh, we got a new keyboard player, which is Mike, who's a partner in the studio with me. I'm in another band called Salter's Groove. We're out of Rhode Island. We're a cover band, and he's in that with me. So. Uh, my bands are fun, but my bands aren't for fun. They this is what I do. I'm a musician. Yeah. 
um, but they are fun and, and we all take them seriously and do them well so that we can provide value for people. Yeah, when's the next when's the next show? You said January? Uh, January 11th. It's uh, It'll be up in Boston. Um, we'll, there's probably a Facebook event. Um, I don't have the info on me yet. But yeah, we're going to, we play the hits. We don't play deep cuts. We play the hits that you want to hear. I love we that. do it like the album. And we look cool and we sound good. Well, that's awesome. great. <laughs> so, um, well, hey, thanks for doing this. This has been fantastic. I, Thank you. I, um, I'm sure we'll let do something again. But um, like, so where where can people find you online? Like, plug your pluggables. All right, here come the plugs. Um, if you are wanting to learn about the music school, we are called U Rock School of Music. Um, but that's an easy place to go. UrockSchoolMusic.com. But here's uh, if any of your listeners are parents, I have a free parent tutorial video guide how to get your kids into music it's like the question i get asked the most how, my kid's musical but i'm we're not sure how to start we're not that musical or maybe mom had some piano lessons or dad played a little guitar but they don't know how to get them started so after being asked that hundreds of times i created a short course on how to do that and um you can get that at get your kids to rock.com and that's a free download get your kids to rock.com and um, from there, you know, you just give, send your, e fill out your email and it gets sent to you. But the next page is a sales page and it goes over my story and it's our complete beginner curriculum that you can get. And there, there's, a, I'll let the sales page speak for itself, but um, it's a way that I can help get people on this path without actually teaching and just trading my time for money yeah and then and then you have the studio as well so people like oh, yeah like, shout out so yeah. you rock studios.biz so that's how you can find the studio that we're actually producing this episode from yeah uh we are located at 1802 broad street in cranston rhode island we have a, a menu right on our website of what we do but we do uh we obviously can record bands but we do more than that we hold community events you can have a party here and we can help you write a song and record the song. Like, uh, instead of taking like a, a paint and wine night or a yoga retreat or different things that companies do for their employees, mm. come here, we'll write a song and we'll record it. We also have a, a program called I'm With The Band. And it's sort of like karaoke, but you and a group of friends, you come in and you rent out the space like you would a karaoke booth, except you're in a studio. BYOB, have a party. Any song you want to sing, you can go in the vocal booth and sing, and we can record it, or you can have it at the end. And you guys can drink and hang out, and it's fun. That's awesome. It's, uh, yeah, it's a great space. I know that remember we had the open house that they invited me to, I got to go to, which was super fun. Yeah, you saw some, uh, you saw some of our um, great musicians. Motown method. So yeah. the Motown method is there are, uh, I'll use an example for like parents that have teens in high school. They play a little guitar and they're sing and they're like super talented, but they don't know what to do with it. We can help develop. It's like artist development. Mm. They meet twice a week for an hour where we write songs and we record them with the goal of putting out a song each month, a I fully produced song, one song a month. I love we it. can go faster than that, but that's the goal. Yeah, I love I love everything you do, and it, on a personal level, like, 
you know, my daughter's, this is going to be where my daughter's going to end up coming. We're already talking about that with my wife and I. And um, it's nice because this is my community that we're talking about. Awesome. It's, a, you're doing this amazing thing. Anyone listening to this or all over the world, it's wonderful. But for those like myself or in the local area, it's like, you know, I literally live one town over and like you're enriching the community that I get to raise my child in. And Thanks, man. Appreciate it, that. It's great. It's, uh, it's funny how our lives oddly were parallel for all those years with not knowing each other and then to connect like this. It's, uh, and I, I think it's pretty cool. I'm a fan. It's definitely cool. I love it. Awesome. And thank you so much for doing this. Thank you. Um, you rock. This show is a proud member of the Let's Chat Club. Learn more about how we're helping podcasts to build conversation, connection, and community at letschatpodcast.net.